You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. What does it mean to put our hope in a God we can't see? What does it mean to walk the walk of faith? This is our sermon series, Water and Blood, Finding Rest in Jesus, Our High Priest. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, we're, uh, I bring you greetings from Clifton Baptist. We, we rejoice that we're a sister church with you in town. And it's, a, it's a, a delight to be here. I'm honored <clears throat> to be asked uh, today. <clears throat> well, let, let's pray together. Uh, Father, we do thank you for your word. We pray that it will uh, reach our ears and our minds and our hearts. We, we pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to come and to speak to each one of us in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our text today is about racing, and when I think of racing, I think of the 1984 Olympics, and that was a long time ago. And uh, many of you weren't even born yet when those Olympics took place. The Olympics were in Los Angeles, we were living in Los Angeles, at the time, and Mary Decker was a famous 26-year-old American runner, and she was expected to win the 3,000 meters. In 1983, she had won the gold medal in both the 1,500 and 3,000 meters in the World Cup championships. She also, in her career, held the world record for women in the 5,000 meters, the 10,000 meters, and the mile. So she was, she was expected to win this race. And, and Americans, we were, we were excited to celebrate that victory with her. As she was running the race, there was, there was a barefoot runner. Maybe some of you remember her, and her name was Zola Budd from, uh, from Great Britain and, and, and Mary Decker and Zola Budd, they were, they were running neck and neck in the race. It was, it was very tight. Uh, Zola Budd pulled out a little bit ahead of Mary, and then their feet got tangled up, and, 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 and Mary fell, fell to the ground. And, uh, you know, her hopes at that moment were, were shattered. I mean, literally, her hopes fell fell to the ground. And there, there's an iconic picture of her. Uh, I think it was on Sports Illustrated, but it, it was all over the place where she's looking up in, in anguish after, after all that training 
after all, all that work, all that time, and in, in an instant, um, everything was ruined for her. Her, her, her uh, kind of a poignant moment, her future husband came and, and he, carried her, he carried her off the track that day. Well, that's just an ordinary human race, right? It, it's, by, by most, it's, it's forgotten. But we see, we see in this text we're, we're all called by God to, to run the race and, and to run that race with endurance and to, and to run the race until the end. And the good news is we can all win. There's not just one winner. We can all win this race by God's grace. So, so the main point of this text today is uh, keep following Jesus to the end. Keep, keep running. I don't know where you are today, but don't, don't quit the race, the author is telling us. Don't, don't, don't give up on Jesus. No matter what obstacles you're facing, keep, keep moving. Keep moving. So let's read those verses again. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us let it lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. So, so what's the main point of these verses? It's, it's run the race to the end. Let us run with endurance. What does he say? Let us run with endurance. There it is in the text, the race that lies before us. And, and I think we also see the main point at the end of verse 3. He says, don't grow weary and don't give up. Don't, don't stop running. So we see three things about running in these verses. Those are my sub-points and, 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 and are these. Run the race to the end first because, because others have run it before you. Run that race because you have others, other witnesses, other believers who've run that race before you. Second, run that, <clears throat> run that race by putting aside every impediment and every sin. Run that race by putting aside every, every hindrance and, and by putting aside every sin. And, and thirdly, run that race by, by looking to Jesus. How do you run the race? By, by looking to Jesus. Well, I, I want to I go back to the main point of the text first, though. Run the race to the end and, and don't give up. Let's run with endurance the race that lies before us, the, the, the Christian life, it's, it's pictured as a race here, isn't it? And, and it, it's actually, what kind of race is it? It's a, it's a marathon, isn't it? It's a marathon race. It's, it's a long race. I, 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 I used to run a lot. My knees, my, knees, my knees say to me now, no way. But um, 
I used to run pretty regularly, but I never ran in my whole life that I know of, I never ran more than 3.2 miles because I didn't want to run any longer than that. You know, that was enough. I thought that's enough to keep me in shape. I'm done. But, but, but some of you, some of you run marathons and, and half marathons, and, and I've always been so impressed by that. It takes incredible discipline. I, I, I know a friend, he would run every week, several times in the week, five to seven miles, and then every Saturday, he'd run 20 miles. I mean, what, what, an incre- what incredible discipline to do that, and then, then he'd run marathons. But, but I love... I love Sunday strolls, walking slowly outside with Diane on sunny days. But, but sometimes the Christian life is like that, right? But it's not always like that. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, not, it's not just a short sprint either, is it? You know, short sprints are hard if you've done those, but they're short. That's nice. They're over fast. But that, that's, that's not what this is. this is. This is a marathon. This is a long race. And that takes endurance. That's what he's saying. It takes, it takes per- perseverance. And, and, and these readers were going through so, some hard times. You know, the race, the race is different for every one of us, isn't it? God, God is our wise Father. He loves us. He loves you. And he set out the race for you. He, he knows what's best for you, doesn't he? So your course, your race, the race you're running, he, he, knows, he knows what's best for you. And he set out that course, that race, race for you. But, but since it's a marathon, doesn't the author recognize here that that race can be tiring? That, that, that race can be exhausting. That, that race can be dispiriting at times. There are times when we run, as Christians, we, we feel like quitting. When we're, we're discouraged, we, we don't want to keep going. So he's giving us motivation to, to keep running, keep going forward. Don't, don't stop. Our, 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 daughter, our daughter, Anna, she ran uh, cross-country and track in, in high school and, and in, in college. And uh, I especially enjoyed the cross-country meet, saw her coach. She went to Eastern High School here in town. Her coach would meet her at, at key junctures during the race, and I'd try to follow him and see, see what he was saying. And he'd say things like, um, you went out too fast. You went out too fast, slow down a little bit. Or, or, or you went out too slow, speed up. Speed up, or, or, or don't worry about those people behind you. Just keep going, keep running. Or, or he just encourage her by saying, you, you can do it. You can do it. Give it your all. Run, run that race. Run that race to, to the end. And, and that's what the writer's telling us today. He's our coach, right? He's encouraging us to keep running to the end. Well, he tells us three ways to run that race to the end. And first he says, run that race because, because others have run it before you. That's verse 1. Run since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And that, that pushes us back 
to what you've been looking at right before this week, that pushes us back to chapter 11, because that's the great cloud of witnesses, isn't it? Those, those we read about in chapter 11. They're witnesses. What does it mean that they're witnesses? I've always wondered when I've read this, are they, are they watching us? Is that what he means? I, I think so. I think they're watching us. I think previous believers are watching us. I hope that isn't a scary thought. I think they're watching us with love, right? But, but I don't think that's the main point of the text. I don't think the main point is that they're physically watching us. The, the main point is they're witnesses in this sense. They're witnesses because they've run the race before us. They're, they're witnesses because they're examples they're examples of how to run the race. So, so what's the point? You're not the first ones to run the race. There are many people who have run the race before you. In fact, what does the author say in chapter 11? I could give lots of other examples. And then we can think of the last 2,000 years of church history, right? There are many who've run the race before you. Maybe, maybe you think of a family member, maybe, maybe a parent who's run the race before you, or a brother, or a sister, or a beloved friend. So many have run that race before us, and they made it. So you can make it too. You can make it. They made it. With, with all their frailty, with all their fallibility, no, no, no perfect person has run this race, right? Flawed people, flawed people like us, sinful people like us. They're the ones that have run the race. I'm going to pick out two examples here. One from verse 31. Uh, by faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. If a prostitute can run the race and make it to the end, you can too. You know, don't, don't we learn from, from that story that the, the sins we committed in the past that, that, that doesn't hinder us from running the race. No, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what sins you've committed, you, you, we, we, we can't say, oh, I've sinned so much, I can never run that race. No, why is Rahab here? Rahab's here to say, no, no matter what you've done in the past, you can run the race and you can win. She ran that race and she, she made it to the end. And she, she won the race, and, and you can run it too. You can, you can triumph. You know, I think of when I read this text, I think of the fact that there are virgins out there who don't know Jesus, who've never confessed their sins, and they're not going to win the race. But Rahab the prostitute will, right? That is, that is the grace of God. Of course, everybody's invited to run the race and win. That's, 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 that's the point here. <coughs> Second example, Gideon in verse 32. Gideon is a person who ran the race. I don't re know if you remember his story, but Gideon, Gideon is a complicated and complex person. We all are at the end of the day. He's a complicated person. Often he did amazing things. He, he, he was a man of, of, a, of, of extraordinary courage. He, he, he fought a battle with only 300 men. 
and, and against an army that was far larger. And, and he trusted in God, and he, and he won, won an amazing victory. Maybe, maybe even more amazing to me, after the battle, the people said, we want you to be our king. And what would you say to that? We want you to be our king. Think of the privilege. Think of the prestige. Think of the comfort that he would enjoy. And, and what did he say? No. No. God's your king. God's your king. I'm not your king. God's your king. So he said no to that. And yet, and yet, th those are all amazing things. And yet, after all that, he made an idol and led Israel into sin. He ran the race to the end, but he didn't run it perfectly, did he? He made an idol after all that. How could he? Well, that's the way we are, right? We, we're, we're fallible. And yet, the author doesn't say, and therefore he didn't run the race to the end. No, he ran it. He ran it to the end. So we learn from this, this race isn't for perfect people, right? This, is, this race is for all of us, flawed and sinful though we are. There's no excuse for sin, but, but if you've fallen and strayed from God, what does God's Word say to you? Get up! Get up and start running the race again. It's not over. As long as you're alive, the race isn't over. I love Proverbs 24, verse, verse 16. Though a righteous person falls seven times, he will get up. That, that number seven is symbolic. It's not talking about a literal seven times. Though you fall again and again and again, get up. Get up and run again. You, you can win. God forgives us, doesn't He? We fall. We repent. We, we get up. We start again. We run again. And God forgives our sins, doesn't He? Psalm 103, verse 12. We sing about it today. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. Praise God that there's forgiveness of sins in Jesus for us. And, and we're forgiven as we confess our sins, and then, then we run. We start running once again. So remember, Many others have run the race before you. You can run, and you will win by God's grace. Second, run the race to the end by putting aside every hindrance and sin. Verse 2 says we're to run by laying aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. So, so I th there's two parts here, right? There's, when we run… We're to lay aside hindrances, maybe, maybe your version says a weight, hindrances and sins. And they're not the same thing, right? Hindrances aren't, aren't sins, but they're hindrances for us. And, and I think we can conclude the hindrances are different for different people, aren't they? Your hindrance may not be my hindrance and vice versa. So, so that it's, it's partially understanding ourselves, uh, places we're weak, and maybe somebody else isn't weak. Uh, so, for example, some people can handle drinking alcohol without giving in to drunkenness. They, 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 can, they can handle 
drinking alcohol in a mature way, and, and they're fine. But, but some people can't. Maybe you can't. I don't know, right? I, I have a very beloved friend. He can't handle it. He can't handle it. He has to abstain totally because he can't handle it. He can't look over at other people and say, well, they can handle it and therefore I can. No, he can't. It's a hindrance. It's a hindrance for him. It may not be for someone else. Or, or, or think of video games. Video games, praise God for video games. They're fun, right? We're thankful for that. God gives us good gifts. There's nothing wrong with video games, but you can spend too much time on them, right? My, one of our daughters-in-law said once to uh, Diane, she said, thank you for not letting your son play too many video games. Because she said, my girlfriend's husbands, when they come home at night, they don't talk to their wives. They ignore their wives. They immediately go to their video games. And that's what they do all evening. Well, video games are fine. And it's a good recreation. But it's a matter, is it becoming a hindrance? Is it, are, are you becoming addicted to it? Are, are, you, are you doing it? doing it too much. Well, you know, there's a thousand things like that, right? Thank God for shows, but we may binge watch in a way that's unhealthy so that they become a hindrance, so that instead of just finding time for entertainment, entertainment controls us. Now, that's, that's a danger. That can be a hindrance. Keeping fit is good, but it can become an obsession. Watching home makeover shows is good, right? It's, 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 a, it's a good thing to fix up your house, but it can become an obsession. So, God gives us many good things, but we're, we're to be balanced, aren't we, in our lives. We're, we're to always be thinking about, what, what can I do to run this race well to the end? Be honest with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Consider what works for you. There are things that are weights and hindrances and obstacles and impediments for other people, but they're not for you, and vice, and vice versa. Also, what does He tell us? As we run, sin can easily ensnare us as we run the race. Isn't it interesting that he says sin can easily ensnare us? I mean, we're new. We're a new creation. We're forgiven. We've got the Holy Spirit. But, but, but this race isn't easy. The Christian life isn't easy, is it? Sin, sin can easily trip us up as we're running. And that's what he says. It can easily ensnare us. He doesn't say, well, that's, that's really hard for, to happen for, to us. It hardly ever happens. No, it can easily trip us up and make us fall. A couple examples. Maybe, maybe you feel unrecognized or unnoticed or unappreciated by another person. And that, that, that hurts, doesn't it? If someone hasn't noticed us, recognized us. And, and, and then that, that hurt, maybe you can think of something right now, that hurt can begin to fester and to grow in us, right? Kind of a, a feeling of a grievance towards another person and a bitterness towards them can begin to dominate our, our lives. I, I remember an instance in, in my life where I, I had a very dear and beloved friend, but I was annoyed with him. 
it wasn't Jarvis Williams. So <laughs> I've never been annoyed with him. But anyway, I was annoyed with this person. And uh, Diane and I were going somewhere, and I said to Diane in the car, I don't remember any of the specifics anymore, but I said to her, you know, well, he did that against me. And then he did that. And then that. And then that. He's, he's being a jerk. Right? And Diane said, she's always been so good for me. She said, but he's such a good friend for you. Remember when he did that really kind thing for you? And then remember when he did that other really kind thing for you? And then that other really kind thing for you? And this is literally what happened. I'm like, he's amazing. <laughs> I like him. You know? I, I, lost, I lost perspective, right? I'd forgotten. Yeah. He, he did care about me, but I got focused, right, on, on, on a grievance in my heart, and it was, it was leading me not to run the race well, and, the, and the, some bitterness was growing in my heart towards them. Or, or, or perhaps, perhaps you're prone to outbursts of anger. Someone crosses you in traffic. You're enraged. That's a sin that can easily ensnare us, Right? Or, or some, someone says something with which you disagree, or they criticize you, and you, and you, and you get, and you get angry. Or, or, or we can think of. Thank God, thank God for how many things are available today on the internet. But, but, but sexual sin is just a click away, right? So it can so easily ensnare us. We we all fall short in many ways, and when we sin, we confess, and we repent. And we move on. But we ask God by His grace that we can run this race in a way that sin doesn't ensnare us to the same degree. So we ask Jesus to cleanse us from our sins as we run. Psalm 139, verse 23. <coughs> we read, search me, God. Pray this right now. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See, Lord, if there's any offensive way in me. You're praying that right now? Lord, is there any offensive way in me? Lead me in the everlasting way. So as we run the race, we pray that we'll be free of hindrances and, and, and sin that ensnares us. Third, third we run the race by, by looking to Jesus. Chapter 11 all these great examples that we can look at. And the, the chapter division isn't fabulous there, though, is it? It's not the best, perhaps, because here's the final example, the greatest example of all, and that is Jesus. He's the, what, is, what does the text say? He's, he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the example of all examples. If we look at who's run the race, he, he is our greatest example. Uh, Robert Murray McShane, the great Scottish preacher, he said, for every one look at ourselves, we should have ten looks at Jesus. And, and one of my friends said, maybe, maybe for some of us it's a hundred looks at Jesus. For every one look at ourselves. And that's what the author is telling us to do. Look to Jesus as your example. So, some of us spend too much time in introspection. You know, we, we, we look at ourselves, 
We, we meditate on ourselves. We, we, we think much about ourselves. And there's a place for that, but we can do it too much. We're to fundamentally look away from ourselves and look to Jesus. It's, it's easy as we run to concentrate on, on our strength, our, 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 our resources, our own ability, or, or, or our weaknesses, our, our exhaustion, our our weariness. Satan, Satan wants us to look at ourselves, doesn't he? He wants us, he wants us to be consumed with ourselves and, the, and, the, and to stare at ourselves. And, and at the end of the day, e- either if we do that, there's a danger of becoming proud, right? If we, if we stare at ourselves, that's one danger. Or, or there's the danger of becoming very discouraged. So, so we're not to focus on ourselves, but to focus on Jesus. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer and perfecter because He's the perfect example of our faith. Uh, You know, think of how Jesus was a man, right? Like you and me. He was God, but He was also an ordinary human person. Think of Him in ministry. Think of how exhausting that had to be to be ministering to crowds of people day after day. If you've never thought about it, that's tiring. But he was always patient, wasn't he? Always kind, always loving, always ready to encourage, to strengthen, to heal, to forgive, day after day after day. And, and, and he trusted God in the garden. When, when it came time for him to die, think of it. 30-some years old, strong physically, all of life before you. And he's in the garden, and what does he say to God? I want to live. I don't want to die. I don't want to die yet. And God says, no, you are called upon to die now. And he says to God, okay, what you want, what you want. But he wanted to live He was an ordinary human being, but he followed God. He's our example, submitting to God's will, trusting God from the beginning and to the end. He's not just our example. He also empowers us in our faith, doesn't he? He strengthens us. He's the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that strengthens us. Remember the the father in Mark chapter 9 who was soft, struggling with his faith, and what did he say? I believe. Help my unbelief. That, that's a prayer to Jesus, isn't it? That's a, that's a good prayer for today. I believe, Lord. Help. Help me in my unbelief. Jesus also endured for the sake of the final reward. Verse 2, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Don't, don't ever forget this. The hardest race that was ever run wasn't run by you. It was run by Jesus. He ran the hardest race ever. And I always like to think at some point, right, in his life, I don't think it was when he was a baby. I doubt it when, it, when he was five. I don't know. I'm speculating now. Did not, probably not when he was 10, maybe not even when he was 15. But at some point, Jesus realized, reading Scripture, understanding who He was, 
I'm going to die. I'm going to die by going to the cross, probably reading Isaiah 53. We know he knew that by the time of his ministry. I'm going to die a certain way, and I'm going to die by hanging on the cross. I don't know about you, but we may know a few months before we die, maybe even a year or two, but typically we don't know how we're going to die. I like not knowing how I'm going to die. <laughs> I think that, that's, that's, that, that gives, you know, we know we're going to die, but not knowing how or even when we're going to die is, is, I think, even somewhat freeing. But knowing you're going to die and then knowing you're going to die on a cross, that would cast a shadow over your life. But, but here's the other thing. Jesus chose that, didn't he? <clears throat> he? He didn't have to die, and he didn't have to go to the cross. I mean, the way we die, God determines it for us. But Jesus, Jesus could have said no, but because he loves us, because he loves you. He chose to die in such an agonizing way. How, how great is his love? How great is his love for, for you that he would die? in such a way. And the cross meant shame as well, physical shame, being exposed naked on the cross before all. And He underwent such shame because He, he loves us. Well, incidentally, if you've been shamed and humiliated, Jesus knows what that feels like, doesn't He? He can, he can identify with you. He experienced shame as well. He can strengthen you. He can comfort you as you wrestle with terrible memories in your life. And, and Jesus endured. That's the key word in our text. He ran the race to the end. He, he, and, and, and it says he didn't regard the shame. It, it, it says he despised it. He didn't obsess over the shame. He, he didn't let the shame dominate his thinking. He, he didn't let the shame define him. Neither, neither should we. He's our example. He, he set his eyes on the prize, right? That, for him to sit at the right hand of God. He looked forward to that final reward. We're not going to sit at the right hand of God, but, but we're going to be rewarded if we run the race to the end. There, there's a prize waiting for us as well. When, when, when I, you know, we, that's the way life works. We look forward to rewards. When I, when I was young, I, I was obsessed with basketball. I, I, I practiced hours at free throws. I did short drives and then stopped and did jump shots. I did long jump shots. I worked on dribbling, so forth and so on. I did all that so I could make the team, and I did. And, that, and that's true of you if you play an instrument or if you're in theater or you're, or you're wanting to study a particular subject. Whatever you want, you, you, you work to receive that goal, and, and, and you're rewarded for, for your work. But the spiritual reward is greater. That's what he's saying. And Matthew chapter 10, verse 22 says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's the one who runs the race to the end who will finally experience salvation. And he says in verse 3, for consider Jesus who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Jesus was perfect. And people hated him. 
People hated him. A lot of people hated him. The religious leaders hated him, didn't they? They hated his teaching. They, 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 they said his miracles were done by Satan, even, by Beelzebul, of all things. They, they said his teachings were contrary to the Bible. They, they argued that he was a blasphemer. <clears throat> and in the end, they put him to death. And the, and the recipients of this letter, their, their goods were stolen from them. Early Christians, after the time of the first century, they were called, by those in the Roman society, they were called the enemies of the human race. Early Christians were accused of being cannibals for, for, for participating in the Lord's Supper. They were accused of being in, of incest because, because of the love between the brothers and sisters. People said, oh, the early Christians are committing incest. So we're not surprised, are we, if we have opponents. If there's opposition as we run the race, and as, as, as we come to the end here, we, we recognize as we run the race, others may oppose us, or other things can make running the race hard. Perhaps you struggle from health problems. I mean, sickness, sickness and health problems, that can really sap us of energy in our lives. Or, or maybe there's difficulties at home, difficulties in relationships where, where you're not being renewed at home, but you're, you're struggling. Or, 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 or maybe there's disappointment and, and betrayal from Christians you've looked up to. My favorite seminary professor, he, after I left seminary, he sinned in a grievous way, even in a legal way. And uh, that, was, that was so hard on me. I so looked up to him. And to have him fall in such a remarkable way, it, it could have thrown me off. It was, it, was, it was surprising, and it was disappointing. But that's what he's saying, right? The race, is, the race is long. The race is hard. Sometimes surprising things happen to us, things we never expected would happen as we run the race. But there's a great reward if we keep running, if we keep getting up after we've fallen when we're tired and depleted, we think, it's no use. I can't keep going. I don't have the energy and the strength. But by God's grace, you can and you will make it until the end. And I close by saying, run to the end because you love Jesus and because He loves you, because you've tasted his wonderful love. During Jesus' ministry, John chapter 6, after he said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, many were told, quit following Jesus. And Jesus said to his 12 disciples, one of my favorite scenes in the Gospels, he said, do you want to leave too? Do you want to go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He had tasted life in Jesus. And when we've tasted that life in Jesus, even though we fall along the way, by God's grace, we want to run that race to the end. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. 
At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.